Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. All right. Well, yeah, Peter mentioned that uh, we we both got to, to uh, experience the COVID thing the last uh, couple weeks. And it was one of those things where this this particular variant, it just kind of kept circling closer. I don't know if you've had this feeling, but it just kept circling closer. You knew that it was just a matter of time before uh, something happened. And then I spent 60 minutes with Danny Gavini in our regular weekly meeting uh, a couple Tuesdays ago. And then he calls the next day and says, man, I feel terrible. And I just tested positive for COVID. I'm going, great, Danny, that's fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, and so then I just took the liberty of sharing it with Peter. And so it's been, it's been good. But, uh, yeah, God's been faithful. We, we've both had very mild case of that and uh, we're back to I would you know 101 percent is what I would say so you're in for a treat this morning Uh, so anyway so we've been going through this we've been working through this series on our statement of faith and you can find it on our website if you wanted to to check it out you can see uh, Peter's been walking uh, through it with us kind of step-by-step, step, some of the big doctrinal uh, parts of, of what we believe, and, and it's been good. It's been important, and if you, I would encourage you, if you've uh, missed some of those or if, you haven't, if you're new and you haven't heard them, go back and listen to those. Uh, it would be uh, worth your while to, to uh, check those out. Uh, but this morning, we're, we're jumping into an, an important one. He mentioned we're going to be talking about uh, eternity but before we get to that, uh, there's, a, there's a kind of a life principle I wanted to uh, share with you. And it, the, the principle is this, that your expectations impact your behavior. In fact, a couple weeks ago, uh, Peter illustrated this when he was uh, talking about eternal security. He mentioned that if we truly believe that we're saved, uh, that we have salvation in Christ, that it's going to impact what we, what we do, how we live. And so it really is a, a true life statement. I, I mean, I know it to be true because even from my own experience, I can illustrate it for you. Some of you may be aware that this, uh, l- this past year, I took on the challenge of doing a, a couple of triathlons. That was, gonna, that was my thing uh, last year. And so when I took on that challenge, it impacted. I had an expectation. Once I started kind of looking into what was involved in doing this triathlon, there was uh, some... It, started to create in me some expectations of what this event was going to be like. So it changed how I lived. I mean, I changed how I was eating. I changed my level of activity. I had to learn some new skills. So it really impacted, as I anticipated and as I looked towards that day of this event, it really did change fundamentally how I was uh, living. And so it's true. You could probably think of something in your own life where the expectations of that event or of that thing have impacted how you live. And it really is true about eternity. Your view of eternity or lack of eternity is going to impact how you think about uh, this life. And so we want to kind of unpack that a little bit. But it's a difficult subject, right? I mean, if if you don't think it it is, try explaining it to like a first grader. And some of it's just, it's difficult to wrap our minds around what eternity uh, looks like. And there's plenty of great illustrations out there that people have, have used uh, but it, regardless, it's still a difficult, difficult uh, subject. So we're going to try to do our best to walk through this together. But I thought I would start by showing you what our, our statement of faith says uh, regarding eternity. So it says this, people were created to exist forever. We will either exist eternally separated from God by sin or eternally with God through forgiveness and salvation. To be eternally separated from God is hell. 
to be eternally in union with him is eternal life. Heaven and hell are real places of eternal existence. So this morning, I want to go at this eternity idea with basically uh, three big ideas. The first is that eternity is real because it has to be real. And the second big idea is eternity is real because the Bible tells us that it is. And then the third big idea is that because eternity is real, this life that we're living right now matters. So eternity is real because it has, has to be real. So let me, I want to I jump right in and say when it comes to philosophy, I am not the sharpest tool uh, in the shed. Now some of you may, philosophy may be your wheelhouse and blessings on you. Uh, some of you may be like me and philosophy is not uh, your forte. But I can assure you, 40 years ago, as a freshman in college, I took an intro to philosophy class. You're in good hands. I will, it will be no problem. We will walk through this philosophy. It, it'll, be, it, it'll be just a breeze. In fact, in that, as an 18-year-old college freshman, I sat down in that philosophy class, and our first big assignment was a three- to five-page paper on who am I. I'm like, what the heck is this? Said, and that was followed, so we wrote that three- to five-page paper, and that was followed by a second three- to five-page paper on why am I here. Who am I and why am I here? So, I mean, I've got my share of philosophy tucked right in my belt and, and we're ready to go. But if you, if, you, if you think about it, probably the most, one of the most profound philosophical questions that could be asked is this. And this has been, philosophers throughout history have kind of dealt with this question. But the question is this, why is there something rather than nothing? So if you reflect on that and you look at what's happening around, you look at our universe and you say, why, why is there anything rather than, than nothing? And so we have to unpack the answer to that question. And, and philosophers have done that. And they've basically landed on three answers to that question. Why is there something rather than nothing? The first is this. This something, this universe has always existed. It's always been here. Bertrand Russell, who was a, a 20th century philosopher, atheist, he basically said this about the universe. I should say that the universe is just there, and that is all. So there you go. That's his, it's just there. Second basic answer is this, this something, this universe uh, arose spontaneously. It, it just came into being. And there's, there's a gentleman, last name is Krauss. Um, his, his idea is that before the Big Bang, there was this quantum vacuum that existed and the Big Bang uh, spontaneously happened out of that and created our, our universe. Now, I hear you already asking the question, well, then where did this quantum vacuum come from, right? You're, you're asking uh, about that. Then, and the third possibility uh, is that there is an, a, necess a necessary entity. This uh, Aristotle called it the uncaused first cause. Because if you think about it, you could say, well... Uh, God created the universe, but then you might say, well, who created God? And then you could just keep going eternally back. And, and logically, it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Eventually, you have to come, come to this uncaused first cause. And so there's this necessary entity um, that brought everything into existence. And so as we reflect on that, uh, what a lot of people are doing, and when you start thinking about those first two, the problem, my basic problem with those first two options is this, that when you lift this, this 
creator God that, that we would believe in, when we lift that person out of the picture, uh, it is virtually impossible for me to find any meaning and purpose to life. If there is no eternity, if there is no eternal God, the, the prospect of finding purpose and meaning uh, to this life is virtually non-existent. I mean, you can try, but if there is no eternity, it's, it's hard for me to say, well, I'm, just, just, I'm going to fend for myself. Good luck for you, but I'm going to make the best of this. And it's hard to get some meaning uh, to our life. So when we think about that, uh, we, we have to think about the reverse. If, if eternity is indeed a fact, and there is a God behind all of eternity, that, that will change everything. That changes fundamentally how I view the, the purpose and meaning of this life. It also changes how I view life after this life is done. So we've, as we've been going through this series, and we've navigated some of this already, as Peter's unpacked the reality of who God is, what his nature is, we talked about him being self-existent and eternal. We've already gone through some of this uh, together, but we recognize that the significance of recognizing that there is the reality of eternity uh, in our life. So we're going to go through a number of different verses today, but before we get to kind of our main passage, in 1 Timothy 1.17, uh, Timothy, or Paul says this to Timothy. It says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This recognition of God being eternal, immortal, invisible. C.S. Lewis is, is always a good go-to if you need a good quote, and, and he, he delivers on this as well. He's... He says uh, this, he says, if I find in myself a desire which no ex experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And we recognize that because the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 verse 11, the writer says that God has put eternity in our hearts. That there's this sense of eternity that naturally occurs within us. God placed that within us, this understanding of the reality of eternity. So as difficult as it is to really grasp and understand, I mean, it, the fact that eternity is real doesn't make it easier to understand. It's still difficult to understand. But the reality of it gives uh, meaning and purpose, as we'll, as we'll see as we walk through this this morning, gives meaning and purpose uh, to life as we experience it. So eternity is real because it has to be. Secondly, eternity is real because Scripture tells us that it's real. The, the main passage I'd like us to look at today is in 2 uh, Peter. So if you brought your Bible, pull it out. We're going to be using our Bible this morning. If you've got it on your phone, open it up. Find 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. Uh, that's going to be our main passage, and we'll, we'll look at a couple others as well. But 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. So this is what Peter said, 2 Peter Chapter 3, verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 
We're going to stop there for right now. So Peter, as he's writing, makes it very clear that in the last days there, there will arise skeptics, scoffers, people that are going to question. They're, they're going to say, listen, you've been, for generations you, you Christians have believed this stuff and yet nothing's happened. This Jesus hasn't returned yet. Peter anticipated this. He's writing in the first century and here we are 2,000 years later recognizing the very same thing that there are skeptics that are trying to eliminate the reality of eternity, eliminate the reality of God, and if they can do that, they're no longer responsible to this God. If I can lift that out of it, I can live life however I want and do whatever I want. But Peter says that they've deliberately forgotten who God is and what God has done. Paul says in Romans that the evidence of God is all around us. But people suppress the truth. They know it's true, but they suppress the truth. So let's look at what the Bible says. Because I think you could probably, on your own, pull up some verses in your head that, that speak of eternity. So this is not going to be an exhaustive look at what Scripture says about eternity. But I do want to kind of walk through this in some organized way. And before we even, I mean, the very first book or very first verse of the Bible speaks to this, doesn't it? Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God. So before time even began, God was there to bring time into existence. In the beginning, God. But in Exodus chapter 3, if you keep your finger there in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, because we're going to come back to that. If you want to flip over to Exodus chapter 3, that's in the Old Testament, second book of the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 3, Moses has an encounter with God. You may recall this if you've been in Sunday school as a kid, the burning bush. He has this conversation with God because he sees this bush that's on fire but it's not being consumed. And so he goes over and has this conversation with God and God says this to Moses. Well, then, this is actually, I'm picking up at verse 13 of chapter 3, Moses speaking to God. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am, first person, present tense, first person, present tense. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. In Psalm 93, Psalm 93, the psalmist says this, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. He says about God. Psalm 90, three, three uh, psalms earlier. Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There's a sense in the Old Testament, it's just almost understood that God is for real, that God is eternal, that eternity is a real thing. We get to the New Testament. Jesus spoke time and time again about heaven. He spoke about hell. He spoke about eternity. Just as an example, in, in John chapter 14, he's talking to his followers and Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you. And I will come back and take you to be where I am. 
So he talks about going and preparing a place for us eternally. Jesus talked about judgment. He talked about hell. Hell is this eternal separation from God. It's a consequence of sin in our life. In, in Matthew 13, he's telling a parable of the wheat and the weeds. And at the end of the parable, he says, the angels will come in that day and separate the weeds from the wheat. And the wheat will go on to eternity of righteousness and the weeds will be uh, tossed into eternal destruction. Jesus was very clear. There is a coming judgment and the sin in our life, is a con- the consequence of sin in our life is eternal separation from him. He was clear about that. But he was also clear about this. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says this, whoever believes in me has crossed over from death to life. So Jesus spoke of it. He was clear about it. It was clear in his own mind. Eternity was a reality. And then finally, the Apostle Paul uh, says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is a great uh, passage. This is Paul's perspective on eternity. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 4 beginning at verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So this, that's a quick survey of Scripture, but it's clear all the way through. And you could, as I said earlier, you could probably line up your own verses that talk about the reality of eternity. The, the, the Bible's not trying to make a case or not trying to prove eternity. It's assuming eternity is the real deal. So we know that eternity is real because it has to be. Eternity is real because Scripture tells us it's real. And then finally, eternity is real Uh, Since eternity is real, this life matters. The life that we're living now matters. We've got to have a proper understanding of eternity. And when we do, it changes everything uh, about how we look at our our current life. If we had a low view or or a a small view of eternity, it would impact the significance of, of the life that you're living now. And, And as a result, you would miss, potentially miss, what God has for you eternally. So we've got to have our perspective uh, right. And I, and I believe more than anything that what Satan wants to do is he wants to convince you that it's not a big deal. Like, you know what, you can't figure it out. It's way too complex. You're never going to understand it completely. So just forget about it. Live for today and then don't worry about the rest of it. And it's, it would be very easy to slip into that. So I want to encourage us to understand not just the complexities because if we try to delve into the complexities, we're never going to fully understand it and we're going to get lost in that. But I want us to deal with the reality of what Scripture tells us about the reality of of what eternity is all about. But it's a challenge. It's a challenge to think uh, eternally when we live in this temporal world, right? Because we live in a straight line. We live Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday, whatever it would be. And we've got, you're already thinking about your plans that you've got uh, for tomorrow. And so I, we just think moment to moment. It's very easy for us to get caught up into that. Here's what I got going this next week. It's hard for us to imagine a God that stands outside of time altogether. He's not subject to time. He's completely outside of it. 
He lives in the eternal now. Everything is happening now. I mean, again, how are we going to wrap our minds around that? But that's the reality of the God that we know. And so we, as we look at that, it, it can be a challenge for us to grasp it, but we need to, we need to push into it. And here's why. As we've been unpacking this, as we've been going through this series on our statement of faith, uh, Peter's walked through some of the big doctrinal things that we believe. But here's why this is so important. It's important because we, human beings, have been created by God. We've been created in the image of God. We've been created to be in a relationship with God. That's who we are. That's how God created us to be. We, human beings, have rebelled against God. We've chosen to go our own direction. We've rebelled against his plan for our, our life. And we call this rebellion, we call it sin. Sin is a serious thing. It's something that has eternal consequences in our life. And it puts us, it separates us from God and it puts us, puts us on a path that is going to move us further and further away from God. That's the path that we're on. And here's the thing, friends, all of us, not just some of us, the Bible's clear, all of us have sinned. All of us, left to our own device, are going to go in a direction away from God. That's our natural path. But God, the eternal, the eternal self-existent God, entered into this temporal world. So here we've got the God of eternity who's outside of time altogether, stepped out of eternity into our world, into our experience in the person of Jesus Christ. He took our punishment for sin, the, the, the punishment that we deserved, he took on himself in order that we could have a restored relationship with God and eternal life with God in heaven. One day Jesus is returning to take us to be with him. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is, this is what we put our hope in. But the problem is when we live on this day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis, we can miss the significance of what God is uh, trying to do and what God has done for us. So let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 3. Flip back to 2 Peter chapter 3 and we're going to pick up at verse 8. This is where we left off. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Peter says this, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So Peter makes it clear, like eternity is the real thing, Jesus is coming back, and it doesn't look good for this present world. But there is hope for eternity. 
a new heaven and a new earth are on their way. So what's our first response? If you look at verse 9, our first response is this, repentance. He says this, he's not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Our first response to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus is repentance. Repentance is just this. You're moving in one direction. Repentance just means turning your back on that way of living and living a, a new life. So I'm making a choice. I cannot keep going down the path that I'm going. I know it's a path that leads to destruction. I know it's a path that leads me away from God. So I repent. I turn around. I go the other direction and I live a life of obedience to God. That's our first uh, response. God doesn't want anybody to spend eternity away from him. He makes it, Peter makes it clear in this passage, and I think that probably the most famous Bible verse of all time speaks to that too, doesn't it? John 3.16 says, God loved the world so much that he made it possible for us to have eternal life with him. So God doesn't want anybody on that path. He's, made, he's opened the door for all of us to have a relationship with him, but it requires repentance. And that might be a decision that you need to make today. That you, you recognize your life is headed in a direction that if left unchecked is, is, is moving away from God. And the first decision we can make is a, a decision to repent and go a new direction in our life. But there's a second response in there as well. In verse 11, it's a great question. Verse 11 says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Like if, if, if this world is going to come to an end and it's all going to be destroyed and a new heaven and a new earth is, is coming, what kind of person should I be? He makes it clear. You should be living a life that's pleasing to God. He says live a holy and godly life. I want to live obediently. I want to be committed to what God's word teaches me to do. I want to live in a way that pleases God. Again, not to earn this favor from God, Right? This is a response. This is a response to the gospel in my life, that I am responding in obedience and living in, in a way that, that pleases him. And we have to ask ourselves this question. If, if everything that we see in our world will ultimate, is ultimately going to be destroyed, why do we treat it as if it's going to last forever? And, and I have to admit I'm guilty of this myself, that there's times that I fall into this trap of taking these temporal things that I have in my life and turn them into eternal things. And I need to recognize that I'm not taking any of this with me. When, when Christ returns and brings a new heaven and a new earth, nothing that I have is going to be, is going to uh, make it through that. I mean, there's some pretty graphic, uh, Peter's pretty graphic in his second uh, epistle there in chapter 3. Things are going to melt in the heat. So I'm not taking it with me. So we need to treat uh, these temporal things just as they are. We want to be good stewards. We want to be wise with what we do. But if I start turning them into ultimate eternal things, I've got my perspective wrong. So Peter offers this, uh, this final big idea, which is to uh, just change where we're looking. If you look at uh, chapter 3 of 2 Peter, he says that you need to look forward to the day when Christ is returning in verse 12. Verse 13, look forward to this new heaven and this new earth. In verse 14, looking forward to this, he says. I need to change my perspective. When I, where I look is how I'm going to think. It's how I'm going to live. If my perspective is eternal, it's going to impact how I live in this uh, present world. This is not an unheard of idea, right? I already told you. When my perspective about the triathlon was I want to be prepared. I want to be as ready as I can be for that. I changed what I was doing. I knew that I could not keep 
just eating whatever I wanted to do and sitting on my couch watching ESPN. It wasn't going to happen. I could really want it to happen, but it wasn't going to happen. I had to change not just my perspective but my behavior. So once I started thinking about, hey, this is, this is the goal I have in mind, it's going to impact how I live. And so when we start to take an eternal perspective on our life, on how I do my job, how I treat my spouse, how I work with my kids, how I interact with my neighbor, all changes. It all changes when we get that eternal perspective. Where we look is going to determine how we live. And so we want to have that eternal uh, perspective. When we do that, it's going to transform not just how we live, but how our church is perceived in the community. When people, Because let's, let's understand, there are people out there right now that are looking, desperately looking for something that gives them hope. And if they've bought into this idea that eternity may or may not be real, or maybe they've bought into the idea that it's not, we're just floating along here as a cosmic accident in the world, they've got nothing that they can latch onto that's going to give them hope. But the gospel gives us hope. Amen? That's where we need to put our hope. That's, what we, that's the way we need to live. And when we have that eternal perspective, it will change everything. Let me pray for us. God, well, first of all, uh, I don't know where you are today. Um, you may be at this, at this place uh, in your life where you need to make that first step of repentance. That maybe you, you recognize that right now you're currently on a path that is uh, moving you uh, away from God. And the consequence is eternity separated from God. And so your first response is a response of repentance. We, we call it the ABCs. We admit, A, we admit that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. That B, we believe that Jesus is that Savior. That he came, he died, he took my punishment so that I could have a relationship with God. And C, we choose to commit our lives to follow him. But you may have already made that decision and you're on a path that is leading to eternity with God. And so our challenge today is that you would just be, have a renewed commitment to live a life that pleases God. To live obediently uh, to him. And that that life would be a reflection to the rest of the world. That they would see the hope that we have, our hope for eternity. So eternal God, we are grateful for the reality of who you are. The truth of what you've done uh, that you've, you've come, that you've loved us, that you've come into this world so that we can have a relationship with you and that we can have eternity with you. So, God, we're grateful for that. Would you give us now a new perspective? Would you give us a heart that, that beats for eternity? And as a result, it beats to uh, have other people join us on that path to, to an eternal life with you. So we're so grateful for that. God, you're so faithful to us. As we walk out of this place today, would we go with confidence? Would we recognize that we are not people that are living just day to day to day, but that we have eternity in our hearts, that we have eternity in our minds, that our eyes are focused on what you have for us and it would change the way we live today. Bless us, go with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.